reaching Israel and the world and the world. Scripture declares that if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus, Yeshua, from the dead and confess with our mouth that Yeshua is Lord, we will be saved. Many of us have heard that scripture, but I want to take a step back for a moment and I want to just take a pause to consider what does it really mean to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. You see, I think that many are populating our churches that they would tell you they believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, but the truth is the resurrection of Jesus is not practically impacting their lives. You see, believing that God raised Yeshua from the dead and confessing Him as Lord, as Scripture teaches, which is the formula for salvation, it's more than just simply acknowledging it because we were brought up in a Christian culture. It's being so struck. It's that the fact that the resurrection of Yeshua has so gotten hold of your soul that you become an overcomer and you set your course life to overcome in Him. Beloved, Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. I trust that this teaching today on the resurrection of King Jesus will be made flesh and blood, His flesh and blood in the Spirit for you, and that you'll be blessed and strengthened by it. We are going to focus today on the most incredible event in human history. We're going to be focusing on the fact of the historical literal resurrection of Messiah Yeshua, King Jesus, from the dead. If Jesus has not literally been raised from the dead, Paul tells us, our faith is in vain. If Yeshua has not absolutely, historically, and verifiably been raised from the dead, then you and I that believe in Him have given ourselves over to a lie. Paul talks about this in the first section of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul's whole message was founded on the fact that Jesus has literally and physically been raised. Paul talked about the fact that he appeared not only to the 12 apostles, but that he had appeared also to over 500 people at one time, most of whom were still living at the time of Paul's writing of the book of 1 Corinthians. And then lastly, Paul says, he appeared to me. Our whole faith rests upon the actuality of the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. But before I go further in that today, I want to allude to what I pointed out last time, and that is this, that the resurrection of Jesus was foreshadowed in the 23rd chapter of the book of Leviticus. In Leviticus 23, we read about what are oftentimes called the Lord's appointed days. These are the holidays or the holy days that God gave the children of Israel. And everything, as I said last time, that Jesus did in his first coming, uh, in, in, his, in his earthly ministry with us, every major act, from his death, burial, resurrection, and then the sending forth of his spirit, these were all tied 
to the holy days that God gave the Hebrew people. This is why Yeshua was crucified on Passover. This is why the New Testament tells us that Yeshua has become our Passover. This is why he was buried on the holy day in Leviticus chapter 23 called unleavened bread. And this is why he rose from the dead on the holy day we read about in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 10 and 11, called first fruits. Now, first fruits in its original historical context in the Torah was about this. The winter had been upon the land of Israel. And during the winter time, there weren't the beautiful fruits. There weren't the beautiful flowers. I mean, those of you that live in a place where there are seasons, think about what the earth looks like in the winter time. Everything looks dry and dead and lifeless. No fruits, no flowers, no beauty. But all the sun, when the spring comes, it's like that earth that looked dead and drab just a few months earlier in the winter. When the spring hits, it's like that dead earth springs back to life and beauty, blues and purple and yellow flowers come from the ground. Uh, oranges grow on the trees, etc. And so first fruits is the time in the Torah when the farmer, the Israelite farmer took the first sheaf of their spring harvest that had just come forth from that dead earth. He took the first sheaf of that harvest. He waved it before the Lord and the Lord then accepted that first sheaf. And in so accepting that first sheaf, the whole farmer's harvest was now dedicated. And so Paul uses this type of symbolism when he calls Jesus the first fruit Again, going back to that term in the Torah, the first fruit of those that have risen from the dead. So I'm thinking about it again. The earth looks dead and drab. There's no harvest in the winter. But then the spring comes, the dead earth comes to life, and the Israelite farmer takes the first of the sheep of his harvest. He brings it to a priest. The priest then weighs it before the Lord on the Israelite farmer's behalf, then the Lord accepts the entire harvest of that farmer and it is all dedicated to the Lord. In the same way, Yeshua, the first one that rises from the dead, just like the earth was dead, Yeshua is the first one to rise from the dead. He's the first sheaf. And then he ascends to the Father on our behalf. And as a result of the Father accepting Jesus, Yeshua's whole harvest, that's all of us that have been united with him by grace through faith. All of us now are accepted because that first sheaf is accepted. You see, our entire faith, beloved one, rests on the Hebrew Bible as its foundation. This is why Jesus spoke to his disciples about everything that had been written about him in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So today we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, which was foretold in the Hebrew Bible and then brought to pass during the time of the New Testament. I want to focus today on what the resurrection of Yeshua means to you and I as it relates to our destiny. So we're going to go back now to the 15th chapter of the book of Corinthians, where Paul dedicates this entire chapter to the resurrection of Yeshua. 
And if you didn't watch last time's broadcast on this subject, I really would encourage you to watch it. It's a great foundation for everything that we're sharing today. So I'm picking up now in 1 Corinthians 15, hear the word of God. Paul is writing, but someone will say, are the dead raised? People are still asking questions in Paul's day. And he says, and with what kind of body do they come? So people are asking, are the dead going to be raised? Help me to understand what's going on here. And if the dead are raised, what are they going to look like? What type of body will they have? Will they look like they do now? Help me to understand. So Paul is answering this question. He starts off with two strong words. He says, you fool. He's talking to, 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 the, to those that are asking these questions. You fool, he says. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. What Paul is going to tell us here is he's speaking to those that think that when people rise from the dead, they're going to rise from the dead in exactly the same form that they had when they uh, were on the earth before they died. And so Paul says, you fool, it's not going to look like that. He said, consider even in agriculture, you sow a little seed, a little seed of a corn or a grain, and you put the seed in the ground. But when that seed rises, it die, the seed dies and then rises, right? Because the, the husk of the seed has to break, it has to die for the new life to come forth. And Paul says, when that seed springs and comes forth after the outer shell has died, it doesn't look the same as the original seed. In other words, a stalk of corn doesn't look the same as the seed of corn that was planted. The full stalk looks completely different. And if you plant a tree, the little seed that you planted when you planted the tree doesn't look at all like what the tree looks like when it's now coming out of the ground in new form. So Paul says, you fool, it's not going to be what it was before it died. Even in the natural, you can see that. So Paul says, that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be. In other words, you don't take a stalk of corn and then put the whole stalk of corn in the ground, right? You just take a seed. If you're gonna, if you're gonna produce a watermelon, you don't take a big, huge watermelon and put the whole watermelon in the ground. That's what Paul is saying. It's two different things. The raised body, the body that you and I are gonna have, beloved ones, when we're raised from the dead, is gonna look completely different, Paul is sharing, than the body that you and I have now. I have a special segment for you today called Seeds of Revelation. What do I mean by Seeds of Revelation? Little nuggets of truth that can grow in our heart to bring us into the further revelation of God. Each week I actually produce one of these and send them out to all those that are interested through their email. So if you'd like to sign up for this mini devotional that you'll receive every Friday, just go to stayconnectedwithrabbi.com. I wanna to focus today on Romans 8:26, hear the word of God. In the same way, Paul wrote, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. In the same way, the Spirit helps our weaknesses. What I love about this is that Hashem is communicating to us that He is with us, undergirding us, carrying us as we go through life, even, beloved, when we are weak. 
in our weaknesses, he's ministering to us. In our weaknesses, he, the spirit within is praying to God for us. It's just really comforting for me to know that God is so gentle that he's ministering to me even when I am most weak. Doesn't that help you? Sometimes people feel like they always have to be strong, but you know what? God loves you all the time. He's gonna help you and I, beloved one, even when we're weak, be encouraged. As we grow closer to our Savior's return, there are still millions who have not experienced Him, from Africa to Israel and every corner of the earth. But Rabbi Schneider, through all forms of media and on-the-ground crusades, is reaching the world with inspirational teaching from a Jewish perspective, equipping the church, evangelizing the lost, and pouring into the lives of pastors and leaders around the globe. This could not happen without you because you are an integral part in sending Him. Is God calling you to help Rabbi proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth? Give at discoveringthejewishjesus.com or call 800-777-7835. That which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each one of the seeds, a body of its own. In other words, the seed is going to have a different type of body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men. And so he's basically just saying, you know, you have a seed of corn. It's going to look like a stalk of corn. You've got a seed of a watermelon. going to look like a watermelon. All these different seeds are different types in the final form. And so it is, Paul said, with you and I. We have a very unique body that we're going to have that's different from everything else when we're raised from the dead. Paul continues in verse 40. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly one and the glory of the earthly one are different from one another. Let me read it from the New American Standard. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one and the glory of the earthly is another. And then I'm skipping a verse here to verse 42. So also the resurrection of the dead, it is sown a perishable body, it is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. And so Paul is helping us to truly grasp this as fact. We are going to be risen from the dead. We are going to die and be raised from the dead unless Yeshua comes forth, unless Yeshua comes first. And the type of body that we're going to have beloved one, when we're raised, is going to look very much different than this mortal body of flesh, because flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so Paul is trying to use all these earthly examples to help you and I understand that, yes, number one, we will be raised from the dead. And when we're raised from the dead, we're going to be raised not in the natural, but we're going to have an imperishable spiritual body. Let's read again. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If therefore, if there is therefore a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. This is kind of like 
comprehending this reality. If you are a fact right now, in other words, if you could pinch yourself, if you really exist, as surely as you exist right now in your physical form, it's just as sure of a fact that you are going to exist in spiritual form after your physical form is buried and laid to rest. It's a fact. It is a reality. It's a scientific reality. People that don't have a grasp of the supernatural, people whose mind has been dulled and therefore cannot perceive spiritual reality, this is just foolishness to them. Paul said the gospel is foolishness to those that are perishing. But for those of us whom the grace of God has been poured out on so that we're able to understand that that which has been made was made out of that which cannot be seen. When we understand that there's a greater reality that is a fact, that's the spiritual reality, that there is an invisible God that created the spiritual world that we live in, we can easily fathom that when we die, we will be raised in spiritual form. And this is what Paul is alluding to. In fact, this is so much a part of the gospel that unless we maintain this and grasp this and seize this and affirm it and believe it, we're not living with a biblical faith because resurrection is key to the Christian faith and to the gospel that Jesus and the apostles gave us. Paul continues on here in verse number 46. The spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man, he's speaking of Adam now, is from the earth. The second man is from heaven. So Jesus was the second Adam. He's from heaven. And when we are raised, we're going to be raised with him in spiritual form. Verse 48, as is the earthly, so also are those who are earthly. As is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Finally, we say here, just as we have borne the image of the earthly, let me say it again, just as we have borne the image of the earthly, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. And so we have a destiny. We have a future. I mean, this is exciting. The older we get, the more we, the more we see how uh, transitory life is, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God abides forever. We see our friends passing away. My dad is 94 years old. There's none of his friends that are left anymore. He realizes, gosh, none of these things that I thought were real are so important, are as real or as important or as lasting as they seemed like they were going to be at the time. And that's true for all of us. When we're young, it feels like we're just going to go on forever and, and everything's going to go on forever. But the older we get, we realize, no, it's not that way. Life is transitory. The grass withers and the flowers do fade. And so is everything in the material world. But Jesus came and gave us hope for the future. Because when you and I die, those of us that die in Jesus, life's not over. And we're not going down into the darkness of the pit. Rather, we're going to be raised in Yeshua, glorified and rewarded. 
This is why Paul concludes his message in 1 Corinthians 15 by saying to us, therefore, given the fact that all these things about the resurrection are true, he said, abound in the work of the Lord because you are going to be rewarded in the world to come. Jesus said that every man will be rewarded according to what he's done. So beloved, don't just live for the now. Let's live for the world to come as well. Let's live with an eternal mindset. Let's recognize that this life that we're living right now on the earth, it's going to be over fast. And that when it's over, we're going to meet Jesus. We'll be with him immediately in paradise as the thief in the cross. And then we will physically be raised from the dead at a second coming in a glorified body, rewarded for everything that we've done on the earth for him. This concept of eternal reward, beloved, I want to note, is taught in the Hebrew Bible as well. And so today, as we are closing out the program, I hope that I've given you hope for your future. And I want to leave with this thought. Right before Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, Mary said to him uh, and Martha, to, they, they said, you know, I know if you uh, would have been here, my brother Lazarus would not have died. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Yeshua was bringing the eternal into the earth in the here and now. Yeshua was teaching not only is there a resurrection of the dead at the end of the age, but even beyond that, Yeshua said, I am here with you right now as the resurrection and the life. What this means is that you and I, beloved ones, are living in an atmosphere where we can live in the supernatural power of the resurrection of Jesus. Yeshua is the resurrection. And when you and I are receiving from Him, when our life is being derived from Him, as we're clinging to Him and receiving Him moment by moment, we are literally being imparted with resurrection, supernatural life. This, was the, this is why the Bible says, He that's born of God overcomes the world. Because the supernatural resurrection life of Yeshua is being imparted to all those that are His, the scriptures can say that we are more than conquerors and that we overwhelmingly triumph in life no matter what life brings us because we have a power that we're living by that is so strong that it broke the curse of death, raising Jesus above everything that's named, sat him at the right hand of God. And beloved, you and I are seated with Jesus, even now in the heavenly places. Many of you love Jesus, I can feel it. We're in a situation, those of us that are senior citizens or those of us that are above the age of 50, we were raised, we were taught to honor the Lord with our finances. But America and many other nations in the world are not so Christian anymore. 
What that means is those of us that have learned how to tithe, those of us that have been instructed to honor the Lord with our finances, we need to be thinking about having an ability to continue to reach the younger generation, many of whom are not tithing. When you honor the Lord by sowing financially into discovering the Jewish Jesus, you're giving us an opportunity to continue to reach the younger people even after you and I have passed on. Even if they might not give like we do, we're gonna have enough that we have already to continue to reach them. I wanna ask you to sow financially into this ministry so that we can reach, beloved, the next generation. Here's how you can donate or become a monthly partner. Send your tax-deductible gift to Discovering the Jewish Jesus, P.O. Box 777, Blissfield, Michigan, 49228. Or to give by credit card, visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com or call 1-800-777-7835 or text the keyword rabbi to 45777. To show our appreciation, we'll send you an audio CD and download of Rabbi's Message of the Month and our most recent newsletter. Your gift is bringing salvation, healing, and deliverance to Israel and the world through television, internet, and crusade outreaches. Finally, many of us have honored God with our finances while living, but have we considered how we can honor the Lord with our finances when we pass on? For more information, click Will and Estate Gifts at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. In the book of Numbers, chapter 6, the Lord gave instructions to Moses and Aaron to speak this blessing over his people. And the Lord said, when you speak these words over my people, I will place my name on them and bless them. Receive the impartation of the Lord's blessings. Yahweh, Yahweh, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift you up by his countenance and the Lord give you, beloved one, his peace. God bless you and shalom. Revelation today for a brighter tomorrow. Find Discovering the Jewish Jesus on all your favorite social media outlets and stay up to date on the content you love. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. Connecting with Discovering the Jewish Jesus has never been easier. If two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Let our prayer team pray for you. Send us your prayer request today by visiting our website or writing to the address on the screen. Our prayer team lifts up every individual request before the Lord. And then, as God answers your prayer request, or if God has touched your life through discovering the Jewish Jesus, send us your testimony. We want to rejoice with you, and your testimony will encourage others. 
we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The Lord put it on my heart to be able to reach out to those that are connected to my ministry in real time through texting. If you'd like to receive text messages directly from me every once in a while, only as the Spirit leads, the information to do that is on your screen. Today's special episode concludes the series, Yeshua, the First Fruit of Resurrection. If you've enjoyed this series and would like to purchase a copy, visit our website or call the number on your screen.